everyone. Hello, hello. Um, I hope you're well. Um, for those of you that, you that don't know me, um, my name is Shaw. It's lovely to see you all here tonight. Um, so tonight, um, Josh and myself, that's Josh, um, are going to do a joint preach. Mm, yeah. Um, so um, we just wanted to create um, space and kind of have an opportunity um, as a leaders of home community just to talk to you all um, and let you know what we think um, God is saying to us at the moment. Um, So most of you should know, as we've been communicating over the last couple of weeks, um, we have made a decision to kind of stop meeting as home, so here on a Sunday at 6pm, and we're going to join in with the central community um, that meet here at 10.30am, so same building, different time much earlier. Um, so um, we've kind of been talking about that and um, if you don't know kind of about it and the reasons for it then feel free to kind of um, grab one of us um, after and ask us um, about that. Um, so let's have a look. Um, so last week um, I brought a word during um, the worship. We were singing the song um, Open the Eyes of My Heart Lord um, and the lyrics go like this. I'm not going to sing it but it goes Open the eyes of my heart Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you. Um, so I had been watching um, one of the Narnia films, Prince Caspian which is the second um, film. Okay, good I'm glad you like it um, and um, yeah God really spoke to me in worship um, last week um, about a part of the film and I shared that but I just wanted to dig a little bit more into that today and um, so Alistair can you play my clip please thank you Aslan it's Aslan it's Aslan over there Don't you see? He's right. There. Do you see him now? I'm not crazy. He was there. He wanted us to follow him. Sure there are any number of lions in this wood? Just like that bear. I think I know Aslan when I see him. Look. I'm not about to jump off a cliff after someone who doesn't exist. The last time I didn't believe Lucy, I ended up looking pretty stupid. Why wouldn't I have seen him? Maybe you weren't looking. I'm sorry, Lou. to watch a movie clip. Um, cool, so, <laughs> um, so Narnia, um, the second film, um, the children are lost um, and they're looking um, for a way to get over this gorge thing and um, there's a river there uh, and so the older children, um, they think the best thing to do is to go down and follow the river until um, they find a good crossing. But Lucy sees Aslan, um, the lion, um, and Aslan is kind of like a Jesus figure in the Narnia films and books, um, if you've not seen them before. Um, And Lucy, the youngest child, she sees Aslan from across the gorge, and um, he 
she thinks, is telling her and the other children to, to cross there to where, she, where he is, um, but that's the right place to go. Um, so she sees Aslan, um, but the other children don't. And so she's trying to convince her older siblings, um, I have seen Aslan, um, and uh, if you've got siblings, I don't, but I can imagine how um, that would go. Um, and so, yeah, they don't believe her because they haven't um, seen Aslan um, with their own eyes. Um, so later on, Lucy sees Aslan again and talks to him. Let me read you a short passage from the book. Are you ready for story time? Okay, good. I'm glad someone is. Um, so Lucy um, finds Aslan in the woods, and she's really happy, and Aslan's really happy. They're happy to see each other, um, and so they're having a great time, and then Aslan um, starts to say this. Lucy, he said, we must not lie here for long. You have work in hand, and much time has been lost today. Yes, wasn't it a shame, said Lucy. I saw you, all right. They wouldn't believe me. They're all so... From somewhere deep inside, Aslan's body, there came the faintest suggestion of a growl. I'm sorry, said Lucy, who understood some of his moods. I didn't mean to start talking about the others, but it wasn't my fault anyway, was it? The lion looked straight into her eyes. Oh, Aslan, said Lucy, you don't mean it was. How could I? I couldn't have left the others and come up to you alone. How could I? Don't look at me like that. Oh, well, I suppose I could. Yes, and it wouldn't have been alone, I know, if I was with you. But what would have been the good? Aslan said nothing. You mean, said Lucy faintly, that it would have turned out all right somehow? But how? Please, Aslan, am I not to know? To know what would have happened, child, said Aslan. No, nobody is ever told that. Oh, dear, said Lucy. But, any, but anyone can find out what will happen, said Aslan. If you go back to the others now and wake them up and tell them you have seen me again and that you must all get up at once and follow me, what will happen? There is only one way of finding out. Story time finished. Um, great. So doesn't this story um, remind us of kind of um, the Bible stories where, where Jesus um, asks us to put our faith in him and to follow him where he is going and what he is doing? Um, the older children in the story um, don't believe Lucy because they have not seen what she saw. They didn't see Aslan um, and so they didn't want to follow her. Um, and Jesus teaches us that um, to believe in him is to see. And it's not kind of a physical seeing with our eyes. You know, we can see stuff and still not believe it in our heart. But um, we have to see it um, with our eyes and still have faith in our hearts. Um, can we turn to John eleven forty, please? Um, so in John eleven forty, um, it's an example um, of where people see um, a miracle Jesus has done with a physical eyes, and some people believe and have the faith in their heart, and some people don't. They've seen the same thing with their eyes, but um, they feel differently about it in their hearts. 
Um, so John 11:40, um, Jesus has just gone um, to see Lazarus, who's recently died, and he's going to um, raise him to life again. So verse 40, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So in this passage, there are two types of people. There's those that have seen um, what Jesus has done, that he's raised Lazarus from the dead, and they believed. And then there's some who have seen that Lazarus has been raised from the dead, and they didn't believe it, and they went and told the Pharisees um, what had happened. Um, So putting our faith in Jesus, um, being able to see something with our physical eyes, but and be able to believe it in our heart, uh, and it can be hard. You know, like Lucy in Narnia, and sometimes we, we see what Jesus is doing. We know um, what Jesus is saying, um, or Aslan in, in Narnia. Um, but then when others come um, to doubt um, what, what we kind of think that Jesus is doing, then it comes hard for us to follow through um, in obedience uh, on what Jesus is telling us and where um, he's telling us to go. Um, so it can be hard, can't it, when you, when you see something, when you see where Jesus is taking you, um, but others can't see that. Um, and, you know, faith um, requires uh, a lot of vulnerability um, in this case. So um, to say that you've heard God, um, that you um, know which way God is taking you, um, to say that to others when they may, might doubt you, that's a hard place, isn't it? That's a hard thing um, with faith. Um, so I am reading um, Brenny Brown's book, which is called Daring Greatly um, at the moment. Uh, and she defines vulnerability as the feeling of uncertainty, risk and emotional exposure. Uh, But she says that even though um, vulnerability um, is uncomfortable, it's part of being human. And she thinks that um, to be vulnerable, um, to embrace it, um, to be in that uncomfortable place is um, how we should live um, wholeheartedly. That we need vulnerability in our lives um, to be able to live life um, as wholeheartedly as possible. She says that vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. Uh, And here are a few examples of vulnerability um, that she lists, just so we can get a feeling for for what vulnerability really is. Um, So sharing an unpopular opinion, vulnerability. Starting a business, vulnerability. Asking for help, vulnerability. Trying something new, vulnerability. Having faith, vulnerability. 
So I found it really interesting that Brené Brown um, listed having faith as a kind of place of vulnerability. Um, you know, having faith, um, it can be uncomfortable um, to have faith um, in Jesus where he is taking us. And, you know, sometimes we think that faith, you know, it should be this thing that we go along with and we're fully um, convinced of where he's taking us and what he's doing. And we can be in that place, but it can still be uncomfortable. It can still feel like we're not quite sure what is what if this is wrong what if I get hurt in this um you know am I really hearing God's voice in this um so vulnerability the dictionary definition is capable of being wounded so Lucy um in this book for the second time she goes back to her siblings and she tells them that she has seen Aslan again um and uh, we need to follow Aslan he knows the right way to go and so we need to follow him and this is vulnerability isn't it she um has already been rejected by her siblings once um in the exact same situation um but she knows that she must be obedient to Aslan or Jesus, in our case. Um, And if her siblings won't go with her, um, then she must go alone. And that's courage, isn't it? Um, And faith um, requires courage. Brené Brown says that vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. So in the Narnia story, we see that Lucy's courage um, leads her siblings the right way. Um, the story turns out well in the end. They were going the wrong way, where the older siblings were just following their own kind of sensible way of thinking. And then when they actually start to listen to Lucy, um, they can't see Aslan. So Lucy goes to them again and, and says, you need to follow, follow Aslan, come with me. Um, but she knows that they're not going to be able to see Aslan. Um, and so if you do actually listen to her and start to follow Lucy, who's following Aslan, and as they take the steps in faith, as they um, keep going, as they start to believe, then they start to see Aslan. Aslan becomes um, revealed to them. So it's like their journey, and they have to start. They've listened to someone else, and they start to take those steps. And then as they realize that, yes, this is where Aslan is leading us, Aslan becomes revealed to them um, so this is kind of to do with seeing and believing that um, sometimes we can see um, where Jesus is taking us um, and that's great and we can have the faith to follow that um, but sometimes it takes um, other people to be able to see where Jesus is taking us and to follow them and um, Any situation like this is uncomfortable. It does require vulnerability and it is uncertain. So I just wanted to kind of talk about this because obviously um, our lives as a community are going to be changing. We're going to be getting up early and going to Central. Um, And so just like in that place, like it can feel uncomfortable, but that's not because it might be wrong, um, but it might be just because it's a risk, isn't it? It's stepping out. It's following faith. It's following um, what the leaders are saying and that um, Jesus is doing. Um, And 
And so just wanted to reassure us kind of in this change and in this situation that um, faith does require vulnerability. Faith does require a sense of um, maybe it not feeling quite right, but that doesn't mean that we're not following Jesus in that. Um, so yeah, that's just what I wanted to share with you um, tonight. And yeah, I'll get Josh to come and um, share as well. Good evening. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, it works. How did that work? There's no one on the desk. Whoa. Um, If you'd like to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to carry on from um, Charlotte, what Charlotte said essentially, but I want to talk about um, being and moving in Christ. Being in Christ and moving in Christ. Um, if, you, if you read the New Testament, if you read um, especially Paul's letters, um, you will see this phrase um, appear over a hundred times. And that phrase is, in Christ, or in the Lord, or in him. Um, it's a wonderful phrase. And Ephesians 1 kind of um, displays that for us. So Ephesians 1, and it says from verse 1, Paul... An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful, what's it say? In Christ, in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And what are these blessings? Well, let's read. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I love that verse that God gets pleasure. He loves it. He loves to do this. He's not just begrudgingly, okay, I'm going to make you holy and and predestine you. He he enjoys it. I'm going to predestine you. I'm going to make you holy. He he loves it. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, again, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Again, he's lavishing it. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. And. And there's loads more. I'm just, I picked a few more. because uh, Romans 6, 23. In Christ, you have eternal life. 
Romans 8.39. In Christ, you are loved by God with an inseparable love. I'm paraphrasing these verses. 1 Corinthians 1.2. In Christ, you are being sanctified and made holy. 1 Corinthians 15.22. In Christ, you will be raised from the dead at the coming of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 1.2. In Christ, we sang it tonight. All the promises of God are yes and amen. 521, in Christ, you are justified before God, and the righteousness of God in Christ is given to you. And in Galatians 3.26, it says, in Christ, you are a new creation, and you're a child of God. And finally, Philippians 4, there's loads more. Philippians 4 says, in Christ, essentially it says, everything you need will be supplied. Peace that surpasses understanding. If you are here tonight and you've given your life to Christ, you know, that you're following Jesus, everything that we've just read, everything we've just listened to together is yours and so much more. It's all yours and and so much more. Once upon a time, you were outside of Christ and now you're inside of Christ. Right, I'm going to try something a little bit different. I'm going to get my friend here, Josh, if you'd like to... Go and sit over there on that chair. I'm moving this back so I won't have to run too far. Um, I know it's really dark. It's okay. I'll move it forward. So um, everyone just give Josh a little clap. Encourage him. I'm going to come and join you now, Josh. So um, I'm going to use the stage just to kind of... Today I was thinking about what's it mean to be in Christ, Okay. And I thought, I was just thinking, you know what, it's, it's a little bit like sitting in a chair. What I mean by that is, um, Josh, just stand up a second. Uh, Josh has given his life to Jesus, and he's going to therefore be in Christ. And it's interesting, I don't know if you've ever thought, you know, when you sit down in a chair, you don't really think about it. Come on, Josh, don't ruin it. Right, you, you don't really think about it, but um, you're, you're kind of... Um, you're, you're trusting that the chair will hold you up, right? Yeah. You, you kind of trust that you, it won't break and you won't hurt yourself. And so even tonight, how many of you, when you sat down in that chair, did you just kind of check that it was safe? No, you trusted and you sat down and, and, and you're trusting that this chair is going to hold you up and keep you safe. Being in Christ is a little bit like sitting in this chair. Josh is nice and secure. He's rested. He's had a hard life. And now he's come to know Jesus and he rests in Christ. And all the promises we just read are yes and amen. And then they were all true for Josh. Um, Okay, Josh, you just stay there looking really happy in Jesus. Cool. Um, However, being in Christ isn't static. Okay, Josh looks static right now, but I'm going to move him around in a minute. Um, Being in Christ um, means... Um, that Jesus will continue to speak to us and um, we will have to move and go where he takes us. Um, while we remain in Christ, it's really important, he's call, he calls us to obedience, doesn't he? He calls us to follow wherever he directs us, wherever he wants to take us. Um, in John's Gospel, Jesus says this phrase over and over again. and You might have uh, noticed it. It says, Jesus says, my will, okay, the same word for will is desire. My will, my desire is to do the will or the desire of the one who sent me. Jesus says, my food, okay, my nourishment 
is to do the will of the one who sent me. I, Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. You see, Jesus was so in the Father, he was so inside the Father, he was so united to the Father that Jesus had no will and and no desire of his own except to do the will of the Father. Right? He was so inside the Father, so in the Father, that all Jesus wanted to do is what the Father wanted to do. So I'm going to go back to stage. So, for example, I think one of the powerful stories in, in the Bible is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus. You might know the story well. Jesus is, say, he's here, right? He's on this side of the stage. And um, he's, he's, this is his norm, okay? But, but, but the Father says to Jesus, you know, I want you to redeem um, all humankind and, and, and for people who believe in you will have their sins forgiven and they will have eternal life. Okay? So that, what I just said, is here. Okay, this is eternal life. This is forgiveness of sins for, for everyone. Okay? But to, to get there, Jesus has to go here. And, and, and this is a scary part of the stage. It might, it might not look scary, but there's so many scary obstacles here. And this kind of represents probably the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Jesus <clears throat> doesn't want to take on the weight of the world's sin. He can't quite bring himself to do that. It's scary. It's overwhelming. He's, he gets anxious. He's, he knows what, what the Father's saying to him, but he feels anxious and, and scared and at, and he realizes that he has to be scorned and, and, and people will say really horrible things to Jesus and, and he'll have to suffer and he'll have to die and be crucified on a cross in order to get to resurrection, right? And salvation for all who believe. There's obstacles between God speaking to us and that coming into fulfillment And the same goes for you and me. When we are in Christ, we are united with him, aren't we? We abide in him. Then our will, our desire, what we want becomes what he wants. It becomes what he wants. And so being in Christ means doing the will of God. Sometimes this means persevering through difficult seasons of of change and transition and it could feel quite unsettling. Right, I'm going to move you now, Josh. So you look really happy, and when we get there, you're going to look really sad and scared. And then when we get to the other end, you're going to look really happy, okay? Right, watch his face. And so, um, as a church, this year, happy, um, we... You might have noticed we've been experiencing a lot of change and transition, and, and God's really speaking to us about a new season that he has for us. And I'm going to move you now, Josh. Oh. And, and you might feel that um, with change and transition, you know, we've obviously will be joining Central in four weeks' time, and, and, and this year has been a year of change and transition. It might feel a bit unsettling. A bit scary. Look scared. A bit scary, a bit overwhelming. 
And, and, it, and there might come times when you feel, oh, I just, I can't do this. I, I, need, to, I need to run away. I need to, I'm going to, I'm going to run. No. I'm going to go back. I can't do this. It's too scary. But it's really important, isn't it, that we're obedient to where God's leading us. God will never leave us. Right now, Joshua Chona is firmly safe in Christ. He's never left it. He's never left Josh. He's firm and, and he's safe and he's secure and he's rooted and grounded in Christ. And Josh can navigate the difficult times, the difficult seasons, in order to go to where God intends him to be. Let's give him a round of applause and go sit down. How do you feel, Josh? Cool, that's great. Okay, wonderful. If you want to go to Galatians 1... I have paper because my iPad has about five minutes of battery (laughs) at full charge. So this is a new experience for me. So um, Galatians 1. We just talked about change, transition, going from one thing that sort of God's saying to us and, and getting there. Um, again, you, you read the New Testament and probably one of the most, especially from Acts onwards, probably one of the most contentious issues is how on earth does the early church, the, the, the Jewish people, how do we accommodate non-Jews? I mean, we sometimes forget that the, 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 the first church was, was, were Jews. And so Jesus didn't really give really clear instructions to his disciples on how to navigate this issue. And so we come to a person called Paul, who it's his job really to, to, to do this. And so Galatians 1, and I'm going to read from, just from verse 11 to 24. It says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers." But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, as Peter, and I stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They, are only, they only heard this report. 
The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. So I'm going to return to the stage. Um, and you're just going to have to imagine that the Apostle Paul is sat in his chair. So, in the early church we have... Um, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ given to, you know, to the Jewish people. But then you have this really strange event that happens when Paul, uh, who was called Saul, was on the road to Damascus, um, per, you know, zealous to be stopping this um, movement, to be killing as many Christians as he, as he could. And then all of a sudden, he, uh, Jesus appears to him and knocks him off his horse and Jesus says, and you might know this story, it's mentioned three or four times in Acts. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting the church? I tell you what, I'm going to make you, Paul, someone who's going to preach the gospels, not just to Jews, but to everyone, to non-Jews. This gospel is going to spread to the whole world through you and your message, Paul. Now, Paul didn't just the next day find himself on the other end of the stage. Oh, that was pretty easy. We just read in Galatians 1, and you can read it again in Acts 15, that Paul had to spend years going to different churches and navigating some really difficult things. Okay, he had people in the early church who um, were, were non-Jews, but wanted to kind of be Jewish. You know, they wanted to, because to be a Jew was pretty cool. I mean, Jesus was Jewish, yeah? The whole ancestors, tradition, it was pretty cool, you know, if you didn't fit into that group, you felt a bit, you know, I don't really feel like I'm a proper Christian here. And so Paul had to navigate these difficult things, and he had to say, well, what happens then with the law, you know, what happens with all these food laws, and what happens with obeying the Sabbath, and what happens with all these traditions, and, and it got really messy, okay, you read Galatians, you know, you read these, these books, it got really messy, um, Galatians 1 and 2, Paul, I think it's Galatians 2, Paul says, I confronted Peter to his face, right? Peter was being hypocritical and I confronted him to his face. And, and essentially Paul's saying to Peter there that the gospel is for Gentiles as well, not just for Jews, don't be a hypocrite. And so God spoke to Paul and it took a lot of difficulty getting to this place where we are today essentially where you know, Jews and, and Gentiles and people from all over the world now can enjoy the gospel, right? can enjoy Jesus and can be in Christ. And, but it wasn't as simple as that, was it? I want to say tonight that you know, wherever you find yourself um, right now or this past year, um, you remain and will always be safe in Christ. You're always safe in Christ, um, the new thing that God's got for us, and I'm so confident he's got a new exciting future for us, this new thing might feel a bit weird at first. Right? You know, in four weeks, we're in Central. It might feel a bit weird. and we, you know, might, Some of us might really struggle with it. But trust in God that the new, new will become the norm. Right? And, we'll, and we'll step into all that God has for us, um, as we seek to follow Jesus, we want to move where He 
is taking us and do his will. And we can trust in him, can't we? And we can continue to fix our eyes on him because he's faithful and he'll never leave us or forsake us. Amen. Thank you.